Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey everybody, Lori and Julia here. Holly is here. Holly's here. Thanks, li- Holly. We're listening to uh, Glory, which of course that's common and John Legend. Such a great song. It was written by John Legend, Common and Rhymefest. Um, and it what was year the, was that? 2014. It okay. was the theme song from Selma, which portrayed the 1965 mm-hmm. Selma to Montgomery marches. And uh, Common also, if you saw the movie, he played the civil rights movement leader, James Bevel and Selma. And the song peaked at number 49 on the Billboard Hot 100. If you need to know that, a music video was done, and of course the song won Best Original Song at the 2015 Oscars and Golden Globes, and they performed. Oh gosh, it's such a good song. Such a beautiful song, and it felt like a a good song to be uh, playing here today, Julia. So um, uh, there was, I I saw this on the news, and then also City Pages had a story about um, all the people that came out to help. Yes. On Lake Street and the different businesses yes. to clean up. I, it was happening in the Midway area and also I on saw Lake, that. Yeah. Lake Street because uh, these businesses that were just, there's so many of them, people really be shocked um, when they go The devastation, out. the destruction. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and there's a way that you guys can help too. Tell the, us. So this is a way that you can help directly right now. If you go... So we love lakestreet.com. The Lake Street Council, which is a nonprofit organization, is directing, donating, excuse me, 100% of their donations towards helping Lake Street small businesses and the nonprofit community rebuilding their storefronts. They're providing for the neighborhood during this time. So you can use PayPal, credit card, or you can go to the GiveMN website and you can donate directly there, you know, to get the resources that Lake Street needs in order to start cleaning up. And again, that is welovelakestreet.com. There's a link on the Colleen and Bradley show link page at mytalk1071.com. And and I'll retweet that too. So, you know, every little bit helps. Right. Oh, yeah, I think I think that's great. So people came out um, just with their to... brooms. I saw it with garbage bags, with everything. I mean, there's so there is really in the aftermath of... right now, which we hope is the aftermath. Right. Um, uh, it's it's just a lot of destruction. And it's just it's so sad because it's all the small businesses, you yeah. know, that keep our community going that people have worked so hard for. So, um, yeah, thanks, Holly, for sharing that we. Um, I know I saw lovelakestreet.com. Um, I think that's great. That is good. Um, Tony Zaccardi, who, um, you know, he's in Romantica, yes. Yes, and, but he owns Tony. Palmer's yes. Bar. And he shared on Facebook that he'd boarded it up last night and then spray painted black owned business. Right. Um, and it, there wasn't I've anything heard. that happened at Cedar yep. Riverside last night. But this is a story that was in the Star Tribune this morning. Um the headline, Let My Building Burn, Minneapolis Restaurant Owner Responds to Protests and Violence. And Gandhi Mahal, if you guys know that Indian yes. restaurant, we yep. just was yep. in here today. She likes it. It caught fire. 
Um, and it was basically in the crossfire of the unrest because it's right by that third uh, precinct, precinct, precinct. And, um, you know, that's where Town Talk Diner and Gastropub and El Nuevo uh, Rodeo and Adis Adaba, they all have been heavily damaged by fire. And they're about a block away from the Minneapolis, that police precinct that basically was, you know, completely burned down. And uh, the owner's daughter wrote, I think it was on Facebook, thank you to everyone for checking in. Sadly, Gandhi Mahal has caught fire and has been damaged. We won't lose hope, though. I'm so grateful for our neighbors who did their best to stand guard and protect Gandhi Mahal. Your efforts won't go unrecognized. Don't worry about us. We will rebuild and we will recover. And as she wrote the post, Hoffa said she overheard her father on the phone saying, let my building burn. Justice needs to be served. Put those officers in jail. Wow. And then she goes on to say, we may have felt the flames last night, but our fiery drive to help protect and stand with our community will never die. Peace be with everyone. Justice for George Floyd. Black Lives Matter. And that's been very widely shared Shared, across uh, social media. And Gandhi Mahal was one of the was the first uh, restaurant in Minnesota to install an aquaponics system in its basement Mm -hmm. and it got most of the produce from backyards within two miles wow oh that oh you know i do want to update you guys and i'm reading this from multiple media outlets that saint paul is now joining minneapolis with a curfew okay that's happening from 8 p.m to 6 a.m starting tonight the city of saint paul says that there will be exemptions for media and people coming home Mm -hmm. from work so if you have to be traveling for those reasons in and the city of St. Paul. It's 8 to 6? Correct. 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. both nights? I believe so. Okay. And those reports are kind of coming out, so we'll keep you updated on that. Okay. But it does seem like St. Paul is adding a curfew just like the city of Minneapolis it's did. It's the governor. The governor declared this a minute ago because Tom Hauser from KSTP, Governor Tim Walls imposes an 8 p.m. curfew in the Twin Cities. Um, and so he just took over. All right, and made the decision. I'm glad because I've been sitting here. Why wouldn't this? Why wouldn't both cities do it at the same time? That thought was we were kind of discussing that. So good. So the governor this, made the decision you. for both uh, yep. cities, okay. and I think that's good. And so yeah, Tom Hauser just uh, reported that a minute ago, and um, you know the National Guard is on the scene now. They're at the state capitol, and um, they're just you know they're. After the three nights, I just think they're trying to figure out. Okay, we've right. got we got to do everything we can to stop this because of the devastation and, and destruction yep. to businesses. And I think um, here's the cur- curfew explained. So just a little bit more about what this exactly means, because I feel like we've been on a lockdown and a shut in for mm-hmm. so long that this is just more de- yeah. just to let people know what this means. It means no travel means nothing, not on foot, bike. Car, no one pub- is out. Yeah. Public transit or even skateboard. Public place appears to cover everywhere you might go except your own backyard. If you have one, according to the list of prohibited spaces, which includes vacant lots and parks, you can't go there. The violation of the curfew this weekend in both Minneapolis and St. Paul from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Friday night and Saturday night is a misdemeanor punishable by a fine up to a thousand up to a thousand dollars and ninety days in jail. Law enforcement, fire, medical personnel are exempt. Media, I'm sure, is included mm-hmm. in that. 
Um, let's see. All exempt are people seeking care of those going to dangerous situations to take care of um, what's happening in the Twin Cities. So that is what that means. It means you cannot go out. Stay home. Yeah. Yep. And I think they have to do it because we've heard rumors about people coming into our community from out state wanting to cause trouble cause trouble and that's really scary yeah. and i think just to keep everyone safe and at home as best they can do it is really important we got a we got an email to Lori from um we i just want to say our listeners thank you i mean there's so much love yeah it really it, it's nice it's so nice but here's here's something from tanya she says the talk you know hi ladies appreciate what you do keeping it real if you choose to discuss what can be done to help reduce and eliminate the atrocities that I've witnessed once again in the case of George Floyd, have the talk with your children. Just as parents of children of color are obligated to have the talk with their children on how to survive interactions with the police, white parents, especially mothers, mm-hmm. and especially mothers, we need to be equally obligated to have the talk with our own children on how to interact and grow with an awareness of what justice, equality, and fairness is. To not only affect justice, equality, and fairness for all, but to save the very lives of others and to save our humanity. I just think that's... Well, yeah. I, I do think that the young parents... I I, have I, I mean, my, my I, experience with this is strictly through yep. Casey's son, but I know the way he and his wife are raising their kids, the four and the six-year-old, they're... They are aware, you know, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. They are aware of um, treating people with um, kindness and respect. Yep. And uh, earlier this year, the the little little Cecilia, you know, she's in kindergarten. She stood up to somebody that she felt was bullying somebody else, and that was because her parents had talked to her about that. Now I know that that is not anything that Casey probably ever talked to his kids about. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a yeah. different kind of parenting, and I do feel like parents that are in their 20s and 30s, um, they they many of those kids have been doing that. Absolutely, Lori. Very Absolutely. different from like maybe you know people who yeah. had kids and they kindness, know. respect. Yes, I, I, it's a we're, are always something. But it's good to be reminded of is, in case you're not aware of it and you're not having the conversation. Absolutely. All right, listen, we got to go. When we come back, we've got another song for you. And again, with the story behind it, we'll be right back. All right, so that is Alicia Keys, and that is her song, We Gotta Pray, uh, that she wrote. And, of course, it's a beautiful piano ballad, but the song is basically Alicia Keys' response to the police brutality um, in the killings of Eric Garner and Michael Brown. Um, which caused nationwide yep. protests, of course, in 2014. And she was one of many artists who, by releasing the song publicly, reacted to the grand jury decision not to indict the police officer responsible for the death of Eric Garner. And um, and although released the same night, the no-indictment decision was announced. The song was written months earlier in an interview with the New York Times. Alicia Keys stated... She was inspired to write the song after being moved by the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson. And, of course, uh, Eric Garner was the guy, the first I Can't Breathe guy. The guy selling loose cigarettes um, and was, you know, same same type of death. 
and it's it's almost hymnal that song if you listen to the whole thing yeah it has it's really a beautiful song and um justin davis of complex music magazine wrote that we got to praise a song that brings attention to the troubling social issues we live in today and as described by vibe keys encourages to keep the faith and continue on a righteous path in life and it's another socially conscious ballad from alicia keys so we she's, gotta pray she's, kinda, she's got a beautiful voice and a beautiful she's love an her. Ama- she's an amazing person yeah. yeah i really anyway so that that was what that song was about i i just have to say that i know that there's a lot of people who feel like this probably holly might but i when i saw that the hexagon the hex and I didn't. I'd never have even been there. I know, Lori. I, I know. Listen, here we fabulous go. Fabulous dive bar. Just be Holly, honest. You, not? you know more bars than me. I know, but it, yes, it, I. I will agree with you one hundred percent, Lori. When you saw that, didn't you just go, "Not the hex"? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's with all of this stuff. Yeah, you know, we're part of this community. We are. You know, and you see. Parts of your community, places that you love, places that you love, you know, and having these emotional reactions are totally valid to that. And the I mean, when I used to live over in Seward neighborhood, when I lived with Charlie Rounds, when he ran, we called the broken heart, the home of broken hearted heterosexuals. I was like just one of many. Was I with him then? No, no, it was just Charlie. And he Mm -hmm. had a spare bedroom and he just had a. Little stream of broken-hearted heterosexuals that we went to live with him rent-free. And, I mean, the Hex was one of my bars, right. along with the Eagle and, you know, Caboose and the Whiskey. But the Hexacon, that's been there. I mean, it was reduced to rubble, basically. But that, it's a devastating loss to the Southside community because yeah. you could go in the Hex and you would see all ages, all races... It was a very much of a cluster of group of people in the best possible way. And it's been there since 1934 in the neighborhood. Oh, It's a blue-collar drinking. Uh, it's really the Seward. Uh, All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest-growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Neighborhood, not South Minneapolis, sure. what I consider, but it was named for its... It had a big hexagonal wooden bar. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was called the Hex. And it was the last remaining bar at the 26th street and 26th avenue that's where it was known as the hub of hell which was an area infamous 
for tippling houses, mobster regulars, and a violent 1935 labor strike. And in recent history, it got the best dive bar of 2017. And they had... You never knew who you would see in there right. for music. Metal, punk, indie. I mean, it was just all over the place. And anyway, that one really has yeah. a lot of people feeling like yeah. mm-hmm. Well, did you see did you see this, Lori, about the turf? What? Well, the turf club um had rioters who broke it the front door in and ransacked the first avenue owned music haven overnight, damaging a lot of the features inside. Fire damage was not evident, but there was standing water Friday morning from the club sprinkler. Either they tried to start a fire or the smoke from the neighborhood tripped the alarms and the sprinklers went off. Um, no idea long-term damage, just significant standing water. And we were just talking about it just... That's another one of my yeah. fa- your fa- favorite parts. And then parts. I thought of your TJ Maxx. Oh, don't even get me going no, about the TJ Maxx. I don't it know just reopened that... yesterday. I, we were... Okay, Holly... We've been so excited for the Max and Marshall's. You're Maxinistas. We are Maxinistas. Big time. time. Um, But it's. Your mom called me this morning because she and I both like to go to that place. And we both have bought things there that we then sell to each other. You find treasures. Or trade. We find treasures or we trade. And my mom comes home with. The latest was the hat that I just couldn't stop laughing. Before all this, you know. And she's like, I'm. Can I wear it? And I said, well, it was just, you know, it was, it was right in Midway. Right we already lost Herbergers. Herbergers. Right and a lot of the uh, staff that worked at Herbergers yes. had jobs at TJ Maxx and they were just going back to work yesterday. And yep. so and, you know, they had been changing out the store because I had stopped by to see when they were reopening and they were switching out because when everything closed down, they had. You know, winter stuff, and you know they they needed to switch the merchandise out. So I know I sent something to Holly last night. I said I feel so shallow that I'm thinking about you know Lloyd's and the Hexagon and TJ Maxx and not even you know I don't own them or anything. And you were so nice, Holly, because you were like, well, it's part of your. It, how'd you put it? Oh, well, I'd have to look at my. <laughs> but words. I mean, basically, it's, well, because it is. It's where we live and shop and eat and drink and everything. You know, I, I said it's part of the community. You said it was shallow that your favorite TJ Maxx is, <laughs> you know, to reopen. And it's like, well, that's a fair comment, but we can contain multitudes in the emotions that we feel surrounding this. Yeah. And there is room for the shallow morning of a TJ Maxx. But like right. you said, people work there. Yeah. It's part of the community, and it's totally valid to be and upset that area about that. Has really been hit hard. The Midway area, which we grew up with, you know, that was just yeah. That's know, my place that's, I go. I shop at the Midway Target all yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, before the time of COVID being mm-hmm. on lockdown. You know, and here's what the Turf Club has to say. Okay. Uh, this is from their Facebook page about uh, the Turf Club uh, being damaged yesterday, and I'll quote this. Unfortunately, the turf was hurt last night, but will rebuild. And we're not dead. You know who's dead? George Floyd. You know who's still unhurt? The murderous cop and his accomplices. Now, things happen today. We'll mm. go on. We need to come out of this with a more equitable, just society. It's a moral imperative that Minneapolis and St. Paul can lead the way. And that's a quote from Dana Frank, who owns First Avenue and the Turf Club. All right. You know, it's it, so similar to what the, the, the restaurant 
Yes. Yeah. Gandhi Mahal. Yes. That owner said. A similar statement yeah. to that, mm-hmm. too. So we have all these places. And I think Matt Belanger uh, said this when he was with us in the last hour that that people are going out and seeing these things because it is a tangible loss in your life, like going out and seeing these places and going out. And it, it it's these are our neighborhoods. I, I yeah. was my, my mom went out and did a. She just needed to see, you know, she's a St. Paul resident. Her whole, I, my like, neighbor and, did the same thing. And just needed to see with her own, with eyes. Her own eyes the destruction. And um, I was trying to, when I drove into town, I was on the freeway and there was no way to. Yeah. You know, but I will tell you this. Can I just say something funny for a second? Yes. Because, yeah. Because I had to go to my mom's today and, you know, I'm her IT. And for me, anyone who works in this building, it would be, it would be worse if it was you. Oh, yeah. But I can't tell you how long I put her thumb on the button on the iPad because she couldn't push it right. So we kept trying to get the right place to push the iPad button and she couldn't do it. And I'm like, do you even have fingerprint on that finger? Let's use a different one. So we're switching around her fingers. Like something's got to work here, Mom. Anyway, we'll be back. We will be back. Uh, One of the best songs uh, written by the Canadian-American group the band, and specifically by Robbie Robertson, who wrote that song. And, Not to be confused with Bobby Benson. Yeah, Robbie, <laughs> Robbie Robertson, and if you're if you've ever seen the big uh, pink, um, they do the recreation of the Last Waltz, which was the band's last concert. Martin Scorsese did an epic documentary about it. The Staple Sisters, Bob Dylan. I mean, it's just really amazing. But this is. One of the highlights of the movie uh, of of that documentary, and it's just such a great song. And the inspiration uh, for the song came from the music of the American South and the life experiences of band members, particularly Levon Helm. Okay. Who, if you haven't seen the band or any of their yes. videos or the the last waltz, Levon Helm played the drums at the front. Of the stage, you never see that, right? Mm-mm. Not very many. The Tommy band, Lee, kind of. No, maybe, Tommy no. Lee. He goes upside down in, in, in the back. Levon <laughs> was at the That's front. That's Okay, he's at the front. Yeah. Like we're you they're always in the back. And Levon Helm is the drummer and amazing guy. But people know Levon Helm if you ever saw uh, Coal Miner's Daughter. He played Sissy Spacek's dad in that movie. Got it. Just, you know, yeah. a little trivia. Okay, so this was um, a, a story that I thought that people would want to know about. Um, of course, you know, everybody in the world, it feels like, is talking about what, what happened What's to George on Floyd mm-hmm. on, on Memorial Day here. And, of course, a lot of, you know, famous people are weighing in and, you know... Uh, very upset about it. And Niecy Nash um, shared with Good Morning America just something that she and her co-stars from Reno 911 were doing. So here we go. During this incredibly difficult time, our friend and actress Niecy Nash and her fellow Reno 911 co-stars have come together and they are making an announcement right here on GMA. Take a look. Good morning. Um, I am so happy to be able to announce this morning our donation here on Good Morning America. Um, as you know, our cast of Reno 911, we play bumbling cops on TV, but in real life, 
This is no laughing matter to any of us. I mean, I'm the mother of a black son and, and, and I'm devastated. Our entire cast is brokenhearted about the passing of George Floyd. And prayerfully, this donation will be a small step towards healing for his family. And the cast will be donating a total of $10,000 to the Floyd family, an effort that was spearheaded by Nisi's co-star, Cedric Yarbrough, who is from Minneapolis himself. Cedric telling us, we hope that this small gesture will help the Floyd family. It is a beautiful gesture, yeah. indeed. And, of course, we know 911. Oh. People are fans of that show, and they just did it, got it from yeah. the cast. And that was on in 2003, and there is some kind of a revival iteration on Quibi. But Wendy McClendon Covey, and I, I guess I didn't know that Cedric Yarbrough was from either Twin did Cities, I. So either did I. Anyway, so I was glad. I was glad to hear that, and I think that's just a nice, you know, gesture. And um, I'm sure the family will appreciate that. I would agree. This is something that I got. Um, I'm trying to think of where I got this on the internet, but it, it's it's um, your black cl- colleagues may look. Um, like they're okay, but chances are they're not. And it's an article, let's cut to the chase, it's been a rough days, weeks, months, and it goes, the likelihood that your black colleague lost a family member to COVID is painfully high. Right. The chances that your black colleague was tr- triggered by the viral video of Amy Cooper because the white woman used her race and privilege and weaponized it against that darling um, Chris, bird watcher, yeah. Chris Cooper, who I have a um, crush on. The possibility that your black colleague is afraid to go mm. for a run or is terrified when her husband leaves the house or just simply enraged by the incessant lies this company keeps telling us about equal liberties mm-hmm. is so high you'll need a ladder to get um, get it down. And yet um, she's responded to your passive-aggressive email and he smiled through your condescending questioning. Or even just found the strength to peel themselves out of bed to simply show up. Mm. And I'm talking, you know, how we're all showing up now, Zoom calls or some people are going to work. Every day, black people take the personal trauma. We all know to be true and tuck it away to protect white people who are ignorant to the fact that it's nearly impossible to keep going when your grandma won't survive coronavirus because she has a serious pre-existing conditions. Mm. It's hard to be your best self at work when we watch white women for a terror on the phone with authorities that will arrive at the scene to kill the black man. Mm-hmm. She called the cops on. It's even harder when you watch those cops kill a black man on a video. And sometimes um, the killers aren't even the cops, you know, that are going. But we show up for work anyway, and we contain our rage, fears, tears, and sadness. We write to each other in group chats. We send each other articles that articulate our feeling. We post and repost and treat. We treat on social media but we don't take our pain to work. Mm. So while you navigate this pandemic, which has ravaged everyone's life and prematurely taken the lives of so many, no matter what race, acknowledge the burden is falling on your black colleagues disproportionately and know that they'll never show it. They've learned to navigate their world, worlds too well for that. And Mm -hmm. although we were told the degrees and the jobs and the accomplishments would somehow protect us from being treated like second-class citizens. Although we were made to believe that working hard and contributing to society would mean society would treat us like human beings, we've learned the painful truth that that's a lie. On behalf of your black colleagues, we're not okay, and you shouldn't be either. Wow. The woman who who wrote this was um, Danielle Kedat. Oh, it just... Yeah. It just... It just puts it so blatantly in, in how ignorant we 
all are and have been in our own ways that yeah. we don't even realize it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was heavy. I'm sorry. No, but I, just, I, think I thought that was really kind of just saying it like it is. Yeah. Well, I think it was USA Today. They had a, a personal, a, the, the headline of the story is why is it so damn hard to be black? Or why is it so damn hard to be black and in Minnesota? And then it went on to say, all the reasons why. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, whoa. I remember when we, our family moved back to, to Duluth after we lived overseas um, for four and a half years. And my dad got stationed back at the Duluth Air Force Base, but my parents bought a house in Woodland, which mm-hmm. is in Duluth. And we didn't live on base. It was the first time we'd been oh, really? in civilian life in... Since I'd been in fourth grade. Wow, okay. And I was in 10th grade. And um, I, I remember going to school, and I went to Duluth East, and I came home, and I said to my mom, I said, there, there's something wrong at our school. And she's like, what is it? I said, there's one, I didn't see one person of color. I didn't see anybody Korean or Filipino or Japanese. And she's like, well, you're going to a public school now. We're not on base because I had been used to our family. We lived on base and we went to base housing right. or base schooling. Right. And the military, at least the Air Force, mm-hmm. was very diverse. Yeah. Black men married to Korean women. Uh, white guy married to a Filipino woman. I mean, it was mixed, mixed, mixed. And yeah. I go to this huge school. And there's nothing of color. It's I think, all white kids. I think there might have been. Now, I, my class was like yeah. six. It was like 1,200 people in the school. But no, and Duluth was even whiter, you know, than than the Twin Cities. But mm-hmm. it was completely shocking to me. I it was I wasn't I was nervous about school, but right? that made me so anxious because I was like, what is wrong with this place? Because I was used to being in a in environment where it was just a mix of people. Right. And you know, that was that was normal. And then all of a sudden and my mom's like, Yeah, we're we're at this we're public school and we're not we're civilians now. Really, even though we're, your dad's still in the military. Right. We're living the civilian life and Duluth is very white. And I was like, Wow. That I bet that was shocking. It was. Yeah. I'd never I'd never Mom- the, I just didn't realize that that, you know, I'd spent, you know, whatever, seven or eight years, you know, going to um, base and just, you know, seeing everybody and you didn't think of, think anything of it. And I always was, you know, just like, geez. That is weird. It was weird. It was a culture shock. Yep. I believe it. It was a culture shock for me and and my one, my one sister Mm -hmm. who was Kind of mean back then, not as mean as she is now, but she, <laughs> she she's gotten meaner with age. Yeah, she's gotten Some meaner. Get, you know, acquire a different taste with age. She's gotten meaner with age. Yeah. All right, listen, when we come back. Um, this was an incredibly powerful letter to the editor that was, the, you know, they always have a feature letter today. And of course, today's letters to the, at least on the Star Tribune, were all about George Floyd as, uh, Sack had an incredible cartoon. Cartoon. Yeah. It was three different eyes, an old eye, young eye, the different color, and then someone weeping over Minneapolis. It was he's such a good uh, cartoonist. But when we come back, I'm gonna read this um editorial from a seventeen year old kid. 
My Talk 1071. Everything entertainment. Hey, gang, it's Lori and Julie. Of course, that is uh, Pete Seeger, Seeger singing We Shall Overcome, which is a gospel song which became a protest song and a key anthem of the civil rights movement. And it is thought to have been lyrically descended from a, a song called I'll Overcome Someday, a hymn that was published in 1900. Oh, wow. And the modern version of the song was first said to have been sung by tobacco workers led by Lucille Simmons during a 1945 cigar worker strike in Charleston, South Carolina. And it became associated with the civil rights movement in 1959 when Guy Carawan stepped in with his and then Pete uh, Seeger's version, um, which was then focused on nonviolent civil rights activism. It quickly became the movement's unofficial anthem. Um, Joan Baez sang that song yes. at many, many rallies and, and, and folk festivals. And since its rise to prominence, that song is used in a variety of protests um, worldwide. And of course, Martin Luther King, he quoted, um, you know, from the song in in uh, one of his speeches. Yes. And, you know, it's just kind of an amazing, could make you cry if you sit yeah. and listen to the, the whole thing. The lyrics. So it's, uh, yeah, Joan Baez in 1963, she was 22. She, probably the most famous one of it, she led a crowd of 300,000 saying, we shall overcome at the Lincoln Memorial during um, um, just in Washington right. for some kind of a rally. And President Lyndon Johnson himself, a uh, Southerner, used that we shall overcome, used the phrase when addressing uh, Congress. And in a speech um, after the violent Bloody Sunday marches on the civil rights demonstrators during the Selma to Montgomery marches, mm. and it legitimized the protests. Movement and yeah, Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. recited the words from "We Shall Overcome" in his final sermon, delivered in Memphis on Sunday, March thirty first, nineteen sixty eight, before he was assassinated. So, just we're learning things about our songs. Yeah, that we maybe, are. And that song was also sung days later at Dr. Martin Luther King's funeral, and farm workers have used it. Um, during the strikes and the boycotts of the 60s. And um, uh, I remember when President Obama was in office and he had a whole night of music devoted to all the celebration of the civil rights music and Joan Baez came to the White House and sang. I feel like I talked about okay, this with she's Aunt still Marlene. Alive. Yes. Okay. I talked about it with Aunt Marlene yeah, because sure she, she loved all these oh, uh, this kind of music and everything. And Joan so. Baez is just... Everything. Beautiful, beautiful Everything. voice. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I uh, this was a, the featured letter to the editor in the Star Tribune and the readers write, you know, mm -hmm. on the opinion page. Mm -hmm. um, and this is by a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, and the the death of Joy George Floyd, and then they have a little headline, and yet I have hope. So here's the okay. letter. I'm a seventeen-year-old black male from North Branch, a rural community about forty minutes outside of Minneapolis. As a young black teen who's lived relatively far from police brutality and crime, I never expected to watch what I can only describe as the killing of a defenseless man in broad daylight in a city I frequently travel to for extracurricular activities and events. But here we are. I've always had faith 
and trust in the police, some of whom I know and consider friends. But the circumstances surrounding the death of George Floyd have greatly shaken that trust to my core. Before this tragedy, I tried to ignore what I'd heard on the news and from those around me regarding police brutality toward black men such as myself. But I cannot do so anymore. How can I have faith in police, those people who are supposed to protect us, when I don't even feel safe signing a receipt or standing outside a storefront minding my own business? How can I have trust in police when they readily and blindly support each other as members of their community do wrong? As I watch the news and hear stories of the riots taking place in the Twin Cities, I think to myself, is man destined for anything but violence? While I may have these fears and doubts, I'm reminded of a virtue that my parents instilled within me, a virtue that cannot be smothered or choked out, hope. I have hope in the heart of man, black or white, that he may create a better, more caring society. Now is the time for us as Minnesotans, Americans, and human beings to come together to not only mourn the loss of George Floyd, but to band together against injustice. We must have hope that together a better world, a more loving and caring world is possible. Only then can we enact real positive change. Soraya Brooks, North Branch, Minneapolis, or North Branch, Minnesota. I mean, 17. That's That's an amazing letter. That's an amazing letter. Mm -hmm. And I feel, it feels hopeful. Yeah. I mean, what a... I mean, that makes me feel so good. I mean, that he, like, uh, President Obama and and, and Soraya Brooks are are the people giving giving me hope today. But I was just like, I was just... just, so well said, and yeah. the it just really, and yet I have hope. So, wow, that's pretty. That's I think that else. I think that's the thing is that there's been so much sadness just in the world with the COVID, and then to have this. Well, ap- someone told me that 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 it's like if you're a person of color, you live with the pandemic all the time. Who said that to you? Someone? Yeah. Yes. I, how horrible! Yes, to have this level of anxiety. Yes, daily. I can't imagine because I'm ready to. Ugh. No, I mean I cannot imagine how sad that is. Yeah. Well, you know, who told me that the lady at the call center in Las Vegas. Lori, I got real with. Lori, what <laughs> okay. were you calling Las Vegas? Were you dealing with Delta or what no, were you doing today I was at a call dealing center? With okay, because Lloyd Pharmacy yes. is my compound. It's my pharmacy for compounding. Down. My lady medications right. and i needed to then call this other place that i have through you know casey's a retired sure, 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 sure. army and yep, so we yep. get you know benefits through through that so i had to call it's called express scripts to make sure that i that could get your compounded lady yes. lady drug yes. do they have it yes they do because because that's the thing with um lloyd's pharmacy it was in st paul and um I watched Chris Eager was outside of it, our um, anchor from the morning outside this morning, talking to a young African-American woman and her daughter and about what was going on. And, and she said, you know, and just struck by how sad it is. But but this isn't the path she would chose to get noticed and to mm-hmm. make sure that this never happens again. Um, and her daughter was kind of talking about it, but but 
Lloyd, she said, this is where our community gets all of our drugs. This is where, and they do something that not a lot of pharmacies do in the Twin Cities. They do compound drugs. And they mail. And they and mail. And they mailed for years. Yep. And, they, and a lot of places didn't do that. And they that. Had just they remodeled, you oh. know, last year and expanded. Always a busy place. Anyway, so yeah. when they call, talk to the call center, and, you know, the woman that I was talking to, and I just said, you're the first person I've talked to today besides my husband. I'm just kind of really, I'm just in shock. And I live in, uh, you know, St. Paul. And she was just like, you know, she said, oh, is, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay, but I'm just so sickened and sad about everything and she was you know african-american mm-hmm. woman and i just said this on top of you know the the pandemic and having the restrictions and lockdown she's like honey this that's our day every day wow in different degrees wow. and depending on where you live yep wow mm-hmm. so i, I mean think- she was like uh we were on the phone for like you know 15 minutes of sharing because she yeah. got my thing answered right away yeah. and then i we just kept Sometimes it's weird talking to a stranger is a soothing thing. Yes. Yeah. You don't know each other, but it just felt like she and was, no, she was like, give, you know, giving me a perspective. And then I was just kind of like, just, you know, I was like practically in tears, you know, and I don't know why it's easier sometimes did, to cry with a stranger. Name? We didn't even exchange names. Wow. Well, yeah. But it is easy to cry with a stranger mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we're, we'll, we'll be, be here. back. We will be back. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.